Fighting for freedom every day. You as the individual, you have the power. You don't have to join a union. You go in as an entry-level position. You get the experience that you need. And then as you work up, you get better at your job, which means they pay you more. If they don't pay you more, then you go to another company to show what you've learned and what your value is to where you can get more. If they really don't like that, then you can go and start your own damn business because we have a free market, laissez-faire, capitalist society, allegedly, to where you can actually go off and do your own thing. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. There it is, another day ready to rock and roll for the greatest day of the entire week. It is the post-Monday celebration. Welcome into the show. This is the Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, radio and our TV and our live streaming and our podcasting. However you watch or listen to the show, we love you to death and always appreciate you hanging out with us as always. Boy, there's a lot to talk about today. As always, I never have to, I, I say this with a grain of salt, I say this tongue in cheek to a degree, that uh, we don't have to do a whole lot of show prep because of so many items and things going on in the world today. We, of course, do the prep and we always prepare ourselves to know what we're talking about, so we just don't blow it up our you-know-what, because we are educated, we are smart, at least according to some, <laughs> and we got a lot to get to today. So welcome in. No guests today. It's very rare for us, but no guests today. You and I chit in the chat. Looking across the bar, having an adult beverage, and wondering if we voted for Joe Biden. Which, of course, we know that's not the case. Not the case. That's all right. We got a lot of things I do want to try and cover today. There is a little bit coming on with the Mar-a-Lago right in FBI. Don't want to touch much on that because that's just annoying and it's stupid and most of us don't want to talk about that. Uh, there is some updates on the student loan forgiveness program as well, so we'll get to that. And... Are Republicans losing their momentum going into the midterm elections? Did we not call that one? We said that all the way back when, that, hey, you know what? Republicans, they have the dominance. We have the strength. We have momentum. The Democrats are just shooting themselves in the foot. Let's just wait to see how we screw ourselves up. And are we doing it? I don't know. We'll talk about that here in a little bit as well. First off, apparently, though, you can just make your own reality. And maybe that fits into it as well. If you just create your own reality and say the things that you want to hear, then it's all good. Now, look, I am all about, and this goes into maybe a, a a conversation we had with the NASA administrator yesterday on the show, and maybe some quantum physicists about different timelines and multiple dimensions. Not going to go down that road today, but I'm willing to hear those conversations when it comes to what some say is your own reality, that what you think of, that if the tree falls in the woods and no one's there to hear, does it actually make a sound? Because if no one's around, then did it actually even happen? Going to take that a step further. Not only did it make a sound or not make a sound, but did it actually happen? Because does the tree actually exist if it's in the woods and no one's there to think about it to actually make it into their reality and for it to actually create a mass of itself? Or is it just an illusion in this matrix that we live in? I know. I just broke your brain right off the bat. I, I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry. But in that mentality, according to the Democrats on the left side of the aisle, if you just think about anything and just want it to be, then therefore it is. There was a pandemic with COVID-19, therefore it was. Really? Because, I mean, now we're starting to come out and see that now the protocol that they were telling us to live by before, we don't have to live by now, even if we didn't get the COVID-19 vaccine. So, I mean, did we just create it and make it a pandemic because we said it was a pandemic, and therefore we labeled it as such, and therefore we just had to live and abide by as such. 
Now they're trying to use the student loan forgiveness program under the quote-unquote pandemic and declaration of emergency, which we'll talk about in a second, but I don't know that that's necessarily the way to try and create the use of an emergency tool to try and use uh, over a trillion dollars, $1.5 trillion overall is the latest number I've heard on a student loan forgiveness program by absorbing it into the taxpayer's dollar and uh, the amount that they actually owe, which is going to now our what great, great grandkids or three greats, I forget. But it goes even further. There was a conversation during the press conference at the White House with Karine uh, Jean-Pierre, <laughs> as she continues to try and lie to the people and has no original thought, but has to regurgitate whatever's on her printed binder every single day. When Ducey from Fox News tried to call her and say, wait a second, hey, you know, we aren't allowed to just waltz into the country if we fly in with an unvaccinated status because you have to be vaccinated. However... You guys are just opening, openly allowing illegal immigrants to walk across the border at the southern border being unvaccinated because, you know, we have no immigration policy right now. We're not enforcing any laws. We're not trying to screen anybody that's come in. And we've seen what? Uh, what did they catch near 140, 150 different countries, different uh, people from different origins and different countries trying to come into our border? Uh, is this a concern for you guys, the fact that we have people waltzing across our borders unvaccinated when apparently we have all these other protocols for people that are coming into our country and this was the response somebody unvaccinated comes over on a plane you say that's not okay somebody walks into texas or arizona unvaccinated they're allowed to stay but, why but that's not how it works like we actually know that's not what is happening but that's not it's not like somebody walks over and <laughs> that's not that's, that's not exactly how exactly what's happening that's just not how it works. People are just waltzing across the border. People are just walking over the Rio Grande River. People are just waltzing over here and just doing their thing. That's just not happening. We're doing the proper screening. They're coming through the ports. They're coming through what Donald Trump said is the big, beautiful doors. That's right. That's right. Oh. Donald Trump did that. <laughs> That's right. Remember the big, beautiful wall, the big, beautiful doors, and people are welcome to come in here. what he said, legally. And uh, we're going to make sure that people come in legally because we want them to come through and we want people to come to this country. Welcome aboard. Let's give you an opportunity as the great opportunities that we have as Americans with the streets paid with gold and the opportunity for everybody. But you got to do it legally. People are just walking across the border. How demented and how warped of a reality do you have to have when we literally have video of, you know, numerous videos on a daily basis or accounts from farmers that live in Texas or Arizona or New Mexico where they say people are just walking through my fields and walking through my farms and I have to defend my private property because there's illegal immigrants coming over when they're like, that's just not happening. These aren't the droids you're looking for. I didn't realize that when you just tried to create your own reality, that that was the type of reality that you could create. Now, again, I mean, you could relate that to like the LGBTQ thing and the social issues. If you identify as such, cool, I don't care. If in your mind and in your reality, you personally, truly, honestly, deep and down see see yourself as something other than what you really are, good for you. I don't care. Don't expect me, though, when you come to the street and I expect me to identify you as as well and refer to you as because that's not going to happen. That's not the reality of the collective reality for what we know to be as common sense and the real world. If you believe in that on your own time, in your own reality, that's up to you, my friends. But how could you, Corrine Jean-Pierre, 
because the binder told her so, so therefore that's what she said because she has no original thought to her. How can you truly come out and say, that's just not happening? People aren't just walking across our border illegally. People are just walking over here and getting caught. People are just walking over there just on their own free willy-nilly. That's just not happening, Doug Ducey. That's not how things are happening here, or Steve Ducey, or whatever the hell your name is. That's just not happening. They're going through our process. Man, I tell you what, the level of dementedness, the level of warped reality there is mind-boggling, just like when they try to put out numbers at the federal level on like the economy, for example, and they try to say, oh, we created 6 million jobs, the inflation's not that bad, it's at 9%, but it's not as bad as what it was month over month, so things are better. Aren't you glad? Aren't you ready to vote as a Democrat? Then we get this one from CNBC, where fewer Americans say they're living paycheck to paycheck. Good news, right? Hey, we're doing better. People are getting better and back on track. Now, I have to ask you a very serious question. Are you living paycheck to paycheck? Meaning, if you lost your job right now, would you be able to survive for a month, two months, three months, six months, a year down the road? Would you be able to? Or would you be in a world of hurt and you'd be scrambling to find another job, applying for benefits, doing something because you have bills to pay and you have no ability to pay them? I've told you the story about my student loans and how really that is my only debt. I do not have a car payment. I do not have a mortgage payment. I do not have other credit cards. I do not have medical debt. Luckily, that's largely due because we had to file medical bankruptcy a few years ago. But we don't have any other debts. And I made sure that when we filed that bankruptcy that I would never be in a situation like that. We got rid of our credit cards. We got rid of our car payment. I bought a piece of junk hoopty car to where it, you know, it gets me down the road. Doesn't look pretty, but it gets me down the road until I pay off my student loans. That is my one and only debt. And yes, right now I do live paycheck to paycheck personally, and most Americans do until we pay off some of our debts. The tricky question is here, though. When the government reports something like this and they say fewer Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, how many of them are truly struggling paying paycheck to paycheck and how many of them have created their own demise and are living outside of their means? Yes, I'm looking at you through the radio because some of you may know, oh, wait a second, maybe I did expand myself just a little bit too much. And if that's true, then you know what? That's your own prerogative. However, we cannot come back and say, I am a victim when I've created the scenario for myself. We know what the government's going to do. We know the Democrats and the government are going to raise taxes, are going to create inflation, are going to spend massive amounts of money. We know what their agenda is, and we know that there's very little that we can do. Even with the Republican majority, let's be honest, we're not going to cut massive amounts out of the budget. Just not going to happen. Every year, and I've broken this down for many individuals before, every year we have the mandatory spending for the budget and the discretionary spending for the budget. Unfortunately, we've got so many things so backwards that the mandatory spending are things that are unconstitutional and not supposed to be in our budget at all, and we're not allowed to touch them. Medicare and Medicaid, Social Security, the SNAP programs, anything that's a social program is in the mandatory spending. It grows automatically 2 to 3 to 4% every single year. And even when we say, hey, we just want to slow the growth of it because it's bankrupting the nation, Democrats lose their mind. What do I mean by that? If it's supposed to grow 5% year over year and we say, hey, maybe we should only let it grow 2% so we can save some money, then they say that we're seeing a 3% cut in it and that everybody's going to die in the streets. That's the way they work. That's the way they work. So the big question is, is what's in the discretionary spending? Well, the discretionary spending is what the government's actually supposed to be doing. Military, defense, 
you know, the normal things of what a government's supposed to be working on. And that's what we haggle on every single year when we say we're going to do a budget. Now, that part of it also is broken out into 12 discretionary parts. I don't want to go down the whole technical parts of the budget, but there's 12 discretionary bills that are supposed to consume to be the entire uh, federal budget, and we don't do that any longer. We pass one big, massive, omnibus bill, and then we debate on it on whether Republicans say we have to pass it or else veterans are going to die in the streets. Democrats say we have to pass it or else the you know women that are on SNAP programs are going to die and kids are going to die in the streets. And those are the arguments from both sides. And we always pass it. Even under a Republican majority, we can never cut the budget. Just never going to happen. We have to admit that we have to accept it. Therefore, it is our responsibility as the conservative, limited government, individual, free, wicked, free thinkers that we are, trying to be self-sufficient the best we possibly can, is to adapt it to that scenario in the 3D board of chess that we play here that is called life. And we have to adapt to make sure that no matter what decisions they make, that we can still be pretty much essentially on our own to take care of ourselves without finally breaking down and buying into the government system. It's a very difficult game of chess, and it's like trying to play acrobats on the chess board, but nonetheless, we are able to do it. So as we go into this break, my question to you is, are you truly living paycheck to paycheck? Are you preparing yourself for what may come with the inflation that could skyrocket, the goods that may jump in price again, the gas that may be, you know, uh, limited again, unless the um, international OPEC and all these other agencies continue to bring in more oil for us? Or are we waiting for that to bring to happen and then we end up crumbling into the federal government system that is socialism and the crashing of our entire economy? Not to be the doomsday or anything, but where are you on that scale? Because the numbers that they try to promote here saying that fewer Americans are living paycheck to paycheck will astound you on how they actually report these numbers and what they're actually considering is living paycheck to paycheck. We'll do that when we come back. Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Bring some reason into your day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. 24 minutes past the hour. By the way, I want to remind you, we are, what, tomorrow, the last day of August? Can you believe it? We are into the trifecta. Labor Day is really the kickoff of that. And then we have the trifecta with October, with Halloween, and then Thanksgiving and Christmas. I know, we're mentioning those words already. It's hard to believe. But we are here, and we're ready to rock and roll. Be prepared for it. That also means, though, that we are at the end of the month, which means our newsletter, if you are a Hoosier-holic... Our newsletter is set to come out here next week. I am now I'm going on vacation again Thursday, Friday, and then of course Labor Day on Monday. So I'm thinking that the newsletter will come out on Tuesday next week. So if you have not done so, if you're a new listener to the program, I highly uh, ex- appreciate if you do. Highly encourage you sign up for our newsletter. Go to our website, whosyourreason.com. That's H O O S E R reason.com it is completely free you'll find it as soon as you go to the website it'll pop up say you do you want to become a hoosier holic and you say yes i do we don't spam you we just send you a once a month email that talks about our blog of the month it has our civic holidays it talks about what's going on with the radio show upcoming guests things going on with the show and with our hoosier media network it's really fun it's really cool and we send that out once a month so sign up because that'll be out next week as we wrap up another month which is very hard to believe Good golly. As we real quickly, by the way, too, as we talk about student loans, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because we've spent a lot of time on student loans lately. But there is more 
of a resounding concern about the legality of the student loans. Also, the unfairness, which I hate to use the argument of unfair because life's unfair. The world's unfair. Get over it. I'm not necessarily one about it. That's unfair. That's not fair. I don't necessarily use that argument a whole lot. But in this sense, it is kind of interesting because for those that did, I mean, it truly is unfair. The fact that you didn't pay for a student loan, you didn't go to college, or you paid off your loans, or maybe you worked through college because you're a smart individual and not one that just took out a massive amount of student loans. And it is not fair for you to have to pay for someone else's. However, at the same time, I don't use Social Security. I might when I get older. I probably will when I get older. But right now, I'm not using Social Security. I don't use Medicare. I don't use Medicaid. I don't use the SNAP program. I don't use any of that stuff. But yet, my taxpayer money is paying for that already as well. They want to use that same mindset to lump this all in. But Republicans starting to slowly starting to speak out against this stuff and say, wait, maybe we shouldn't allow this to happen. Well, it is inherently unfair when you have 255 million American adults and only 45 million of them have student loans. So you're asking 210 million American adults who do not have student loans to have to pay for everyone else. And it's just wrong to have waitresses and welders having to pay off the student loans of doctors and lawyers. Uh, The vast majority of these individuals who will have their uh, student loans forgiven are in the upper income brackets. And it's just wrong. It's going to also fuel inflation and it doesn't address the real uh, crisis of the cost of education going up 1200 percent since 1980. Um, This is going to just encourage people to take on more more student debt and uh, ultimately increase the cost of education. And inherently, it's just unfair for all of us. Uh, That was Vicki Hartzler, a congresswoman from the state of Missouri. I agree with it. But again, where have been Republicans on every other social program that we have absorbed into the federal government? Why are we speaking out now? Because this is the flavor of the day, because we want to win an election for the midterm elections. Why has this not been the resounding comment from everybody when it comes to the expansion of the IRS? When we talk about SNAP programs, when we talk about Medicare, Medicaid, when we talk about Social Security. Andy, you just hate people because you don't want to take care of them. No, that's not it. If we had the money on our own and we got the government the hell out of the way and we kept our own damn taxpayer money, could you imagine what we could do in our own local communities at the local level to truly help individuals in need in our own communities in a more efficient, productive, and more personal way? Could you imagine what we could do? Remember, social programs, the help, the needy, the health care system, the social programs, the food lines, everything that needed to help individuals, that was done by the churches, by the Catholic Church, by private organizations before the government said, you know what, let's go ahead and centralize that and we'll do it on our own. And you can see how well that's actually worked out at the federal level. More on this when we come back here on The Voice of Reason for a Tuesday. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, you're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today for a post-Monday celebration. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting all over the place. Multiple stations all over trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that 5-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time. No guests today. You and I just chit in the chat, doing our thing the way we do every day here 
And there's still a lot to talk about. Are Republicans losing their momentum, which is kind of what I'm building up to here, as we just heard from Vicki Hartzler, Congresswoman out of Missouri, saying that the student loan forgiveness is just unfair. Well, yeah, it's unfair because people shouldn't have to pay for other people's debt. Um, that should also be the conversation with SNAP and with Medicare and Medicaid. Social Security, instead of paying for someone that's on it now, maybe we should be paying into it to have a bank account for us to be able to retrieve it when we're done later on and actually be able to retire. I mean, that would be the appropriate way to do things. That's why the Social Security program's falling apart, isn't it? Because the baby boomers are retiring. Nothing against you guys. We love you guys. We want to make sure you're taken care of. But you're a very large generation. My generation is not as much of a large generation. Therefore, it takes more of us to compensate for the payment of one individual on the system now because of inflation and how expensive it is. And that's going to get worse and worse. My generation probably won't even see Social Security. So we are paying a massive amount of my paycheck every single time into a system that I will never see at the end of the day. Not being selfish, just being realistic. Back in the day, before these programs were started, we were able to take care of people at the local level. I mean, that's what it's about, right? If you have a homeless issue in the community, you don't go to the federal government and say, hey, deal with the homeless population in my city. You say, hey, what can we do at the local level to take care of this issue, to take care of them, to get them in the programs, to help with an addiction problem if there is one, to get them back on their feet if they lost their business or their home, to give them job opportunities, to give them training, to give them trade school opportunities, to help pay off debts, to do whatever. Let's help them the best way we can. And the only way to do that is to literally walk down into the middle of the street and help them out. Not to go to the government and say, we need a program to do this. Maybe at the local level, your city level, maybe your county level, something like that, but not the federal government. That's what we're talking about here. So before all the left-wing Democrats and the progressives and the elites try and start saying, Andy, you just don't care about the less fortunate, you don't care about the poor, you don't care about the sick, that's a lie, that's crap, and you know it. I actually want to do something productive with these conversations because what you're doing doesn't work. The federal government programs don't work. They're just bankrupting everyone. So, yeah, Republicans, great. Congrats. I'm glad you're saying that student loan repayment and loan forgiveness is unfair. Where are you on those conversations with every other social program? The reason you're not saying it is because we've been conditioned to think that that's just the way society works. We need that safety net. Need that good old safety net. At the same time, here we have the stats from CNBC. And the Bureau of Labor and Statistics saying that we're fewer Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, which to the headline, that sounds great. Things are getting better, right? We're doing good. More than half of all U.S. consumers currently live paycheck to paycheck. That's not the great way to start off a headline when you're supposed to be doing well. More than half of U.S. consumers are living paycheck to paycheck, according to the recent report. However, the number of Americans who say they are stretched thin has started to fall as inflation continues to ease. Now, I know we're in election season. I know that we're in a season right now to where we're just going to say things again, like the beginning of the show. We're just going to say things to create our reality and hope that people buy it and hope that people fall for it. I want to see show of hands. And by show of hands being on radio, I know that you can email me at network at gmail.com or send me a message on my social media at reason and let me know, are you truly feeling the relief have the gas prices gone down back to prior to the Biden administration, back into the low $2 gallons? Has food lowered back down to where they were prior to the COVID-19 pandemic? 
and I use pandemic with air quotes again, and have we gotten back down to normal with things getting better, with jobs happening again, people working with the stock shelves and the restaurants and the retail stores, are they getting better? Because I just don't see it. Maybe, maybe it's just my community. Maybe it's just mine. Maybe everybody else is doing great. I don't know. But according to these guys, they try to blow the smoke up the you-know-what to try and make it sound like things are better, even though people can literally open their eyes, look outside, and see what their community's doing and see otherwise. But apparently, what the media says is more important. The media says it, therefore, it is. I don't know that people are necessarily going for that. You are fake news. Okay. (laughs) That's what I thought. Lower-income workers have been the hardest hit by the price spikes this year. Really? Man, breaking news, everybody. People with less money have been affected more by inflation. So glad we got that out of the way. Thank you, CNBC, for the uh, uh, award-winning credited reporting here. Here's the kicker. Fewer adults now say they're living paycheck to paycheck. As of July, 59% of Americans say they lived a paycheck to paycheck, down from 61%. In June, but still higher than a year ago, when the number of adults was stretched too thin, was 54%. So we went from 61 down to 59, still above half of the uh, half of the country, but 59% say they live paycheck to paycheck. The numbers, though, are what boggle my mind. Lower income workers have been hit the hardest, obviously. Roughly three quarters of consumers annually earning less than $50,000 uh, 50, and 63% of those earning $50,000 to $100,000 were living paycheck to paycheck in July. Okay. Makes sense. 63% of those earning $50,000 to $100,000. That's right in that range of whatever the medium income is for the nation. Right about $50,000. So write that plus a little bit higher are struggling because obviously the inflation went up. So therefore the medium income needs to be higher in order to compensate for that. Here's the kicker though. Even though top earners have also struggled to make ends meet, wealthier Americans feel less financially strained. Of those earning $200,000 or more, 30% of those say they live paycheck to paycheck, down from 36% just the previous month. Now, I'm not here to bag on quote-unquote rich people. I'm not here to, you know, attack because you make more money than somebody else. I would think, and for this as someone who does not make $200,000 a year, I am here to think that if you make $200,000, you're probably doing okay. Just throwing that out there. I mean, the medium income for the nation for the level of poverty, the poverty line is what? Right at like $40,000 to $50,000. So if you make above that, then you're doing all right. $100,000. I've heard the phrase from someone else before say that life begins at $100,000. If you make $100,000, then you're comfortable and you can grow and you can have more time and more money to play and more things to do. So $100,000 is really where that line is. If you're making $200,000 based on the poverty line and based on the average medium income in the nation, I would say that you're probably pretty d- doing pretty damn good. And I applaud you for being able to make $200,000. Kudos on you. That's freaking awesome. But 30% of them say they're living paycheck to paycheck, down from 36. And now, according to the politics of the realm and the Democrats are saying, oh, that's great. Look at that. People are being able to pay things off. People are able, able to have a little more leeway with their cash. I'm here to say we shouldn't even consider individuals $200,000 or more in that line of living paycheck to paycheck. Because if you're living paycheck to paycheck, making $200,000, then you've made some really poor financial decisions in your life. Not to narc on you, 
Not to bag on you. I'm just throwing it out there. If you can't afford your $200,000 lifestyle, then you've probably made some bad decisions, meaning you probably have a mortgage that's a little bit outside of your means, but you want to fit in the cool kids club, meaning that you have too many credit cards because you want to go out and charge it instead of actually live paycheck, instead of living cash, that you probably have a really large car payment that you probably don't need or don't have to have, or you're making a massive amount of student loan payments because you went to become a doctor or something in that sense. Um, or whatever the deal is, whatever your personal life is, or who knows, maybe you're paying child support or something. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there that if you're making $200,000 and you're living paycheck to paycheck, then the financial thing is probably not your forte. Could be wrong because I don't make $200,000, so I don't know how to put my myself in your shoes, but that's my assumption. So I don't think that should even be included into this because really that goes into a deeper conversation, does it, of where's the line drawn between the government's making it difficult for me to survive and put food on my table to, you know, the government's you know playing the victim from the government when it's actually your own damn fault. That goes back to the whole conservative mindset of let's have a little bit more financial stability and independence on our own to where if the government does raise taxes, if the government does increase inflation, if the government does spend more money, which is what they're going to do, if the government does expand a government agency or department, if the government does spend more money on their budget and do an omnibus package and just throw a whole bunch of crap out there to do, which they're going to do, it's not going to affect us because we're properly prepared for something like that. But a lot of people don't. Most people live paycheck to paycheck. They just go about their day on the next paycheck of what it's going to look like, and they go out and they blow it and they have a grand old time and they party. And you know what? If you live that lifestyle, then God bless you, and I hope you're able to do it the rest of your life. However, the vast majority of Americans are unable to do something like that. So that bleeds into the big question is, are Republicans losing the momentum going into the election season? Because when we started January and February and March, and April. I mean, January is really what? That was the kickoff of the pullout of Afghanistan, wasn't it? And the disaster that we had on international issues. Then we had the beginning of the war with Russia and the Ukraine, another international disaster for the Biden administration. That was also the time they were trying to pass their Build Back Better plan that failed miserably. Another hit on the Democrats and the Biden administration. They got hit after hit after hit at the very beginning of this year, and we were up near 15 points in the polls. It was guaranteed Republicans were going to win this election, both the House and the Senate, by a vast majority. The red tsunami, the red tidal wave was going to come. Are we still in that situation? Because now that they're lying through their teeth about the economy doing better, they're lying through their teeth about some of the other issues going on in the nation, now we're seeing the headlines that the Biden poll numbers are jumping up. Democrats are warming back up to Joe Biden all over again. Republicans, the now this is CNN, so take it with a grain of salt, but the Republican tsunami has turned into a Republican puddle because there's such a lack of a losing of air in the momentum. Is that true? Is it just the media trying to downplay the Republican mentality, or is it really happening? Let's discuss that when we come back here on The Voice of Reason. Stay right here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason 
with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. I am loving all the comments coming in through the different platforms here. We have the Facebook Live, the Podbean Live feed for the audio, the comments on the Opslens through the app and the social media and the website there, plus some of the emails that I'm getting as well. I'm getting a lot of them. So, I mean, let's read some of these, shall we? I mean, that's uh, running right through the mailbox here. What's in the mailbox? As we talk about the fairness of society and how really we need to start restructuring our economy and how we need to prepare ourselves and be on the offense, not the defense, just wondering what the government's going to do. We know what the government's going to do, but just trying to prepare accordingly. I love these individuals uh, working two jobs. The wife's working one Uh, comment here. I'm working two jobs and trying to go to school. Another one I tried to pay off. So I didn't have any student loans and did it on my own. Another one, I will never go on these social programs. I can't take the socialist takeover of this nation. I mean, this is what it's all about. This is why we try to be independent. This is why we bust our you-know-what to be able to put food on the table so the government doesn't have to do it for us. So my big question is now, are the Republicans losing their momentum? Are we losing it? According to... Some of the quote-unquote political experts that are on CNN, so I use experts in a very loosey-goosey form here, from Republican tsunami to Republican puddle. Why the forecast of November is changing. For political professionals in both parties, the capsule explanation for why the Democrat position in the midterm elections appears to have improved so much since the summer began, when the election looked to be primarily a referendum on the performance of the Democrats who control the White House and Congress, Republicans were optimistic that a towering red wave would carry them to sweeping gains in November. But with evidence suggesting more voters are treating the election as a comparative choice between the two parties, operatives on both sides are now bracing for a closely contested outcome that could include an unusual divergence in results from the White House and those in the Senate and the governor's races. Now, before we just write this off completely being CNN, because we know that CNN is a load of crap, let's break this down, shall we? There's two reasons why they would write something like this. Either, number one, they are scared because it's getting closer and the poll numbers haven't changed and we're still going to dominate. So they're trying to, of course, trying to lighten it up a little bit, trying to rally their base. Oh, hey, it's really close. Democrats turn out to vote. Or they actually could be. I mean, we played the interview before, or the interview on Newsmax from uh, Hartzler from Missouri, saying, hey, student loan payment's unfair. Yeah, it's unfair. All the social programs out there are unfair. Why do we accept those? But we're now all upset about student loans because that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Are we starting to gain and realize the fact that Republicans have been okay with big government spending for a long time and a lot of their dirt is starting to come out? Because what has the Biden administration really done? Let's be honest about it. What have they done that's been successful to gain them the bump here? They've done three things, essentially, in the last, let's say, eight months. What is it? It's nine months because we're almost on September 1st. They've done now student loan forgiveness that may or may not actually happen. The abortion issue, which they didn't even do. They just piggybacked on the route, the outcry from the reversal of Roe v. Wade from the Supreme Court and a few states that have actually tried to put the initiatives on their ballots. They've rallied around that one and just enraged their already enraged crowd because that's just what they do. And the Inflation Reduction Act that does not do anything about inflation, but expands the IRS and expands Green New Deal initiatives for social programs and government bailouts. That's all they've done. That's three times more, by the way, those three initiatives. That's three times more than what they've done for the last year and a half during the Biden administration either. So I find that kind of interesting. So why would all of a sudden they see a bump? Because they're actually starting to do something? 
And is it that easy to win over voters? Of all, hey, they were productive. Now, what they were productive about doesn't matter. They did something, so therefore, hoorah, baby, we see some momentum, and Democrats are warming up again to Joe Biden. He doesn't remember it, but they're warming up to Joe Biden again. Or is it right now the biggest issue is the response from Republicans and Republican response to what the Biden administration is doing and how we handle the issue and are we using our PR in the best way possible? Here's the word to the wise Republicans. Don't just complain about student loan payments and the bailing out. Complain about every social program that's taking up our taxpayer money when we could be doing it at the local level with our paycheck. Study after study after study shows that if you keep your own money, then you're more willing to be more charitable because you can put it directly to a place where it's going to be efficient and actually be effective in some way shape or form that you can invest that you can expand the economy and the little taxes that you would be paying would just skyrocket for the federal government which means they could be making more money as well it's the republican response here and with the weasley oh it's unfair that's not going to win us over that's not going to do anything for us so yeah i would have to agree unfortunately that right now we're still up but we better step up our game because we are losing some momentum going into the November elections, like Republicans normally do, because we never handle things appropriately and we get scared when the ball's in our court. That does it for us today. Podcast up in a little bit. Back at it tomorrow for a Wednesday. Until then, be your own voice of reason. I'm Andy Hoosier.